Welcome yes. back to Try Ta-da. Catch. <laughs> we have Brent Ozar in the house. <laughs> maybe the first repeat guest. Maybe, maybe not. Yes. Yeah, depending on if they throw the last one away or not. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we also have Tim Gorgon in the house. Yes. And he's co-host, database developer. Anyway. How, would you, yes. how would you describe yourself? Uh, amateur, yes. Nah, uh, I do a lot of SQL Server performance tuning. So basically, I make SQL Server faster. Uh, people usually come to me when they're hitting a wall in terms of performance. They can't do sales. The the, the reports are dead slow. Uh, and it's something where it's stopping the company from making money is usually the biggest thing with it. So within 48 hours, I help them turn the SQL Server around, find out what the root cause is, and train their people to do a better job going forward. I, I don't usually want to be in long-term relationships with shops. I want to empower y'all. Usually it's not a matter of not having enough people on staff. They just don't know what's broken inside the SQL Server black box that's stopping them from going faster. So one of the wonderful things about SQL Server, you can install it and go a really long way with the defaults. You can go a really long way. You can do some pretty horrendous things to SQL Server and still it'll work well. And even if you throw hardware at it, still work pretty decently well. It's not cheap, but... Eventually, you hit a wall where there's a problem, and I help you get past that wall. I'll teach you what you need to do going forward and then let you loose to get back to focusing on features instead of worrying about performance. Because at the end of the day, project managers never hear we're spending the next, they don't want to hear we're spending the next two sprints trying to fix performance. Users don't care about that. They just want new features. Yeah. I know in the industry, you are a SQL expert, SQL guru Woo-hoo! in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the branding paid off. Yes. yes. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. So we're very happy to have you on Thanks. this podcast. Thanks. It's good to be here. Thanks. Yeah. It's good to be here. Mm-hmm. So today's topic that we want to talk about is where do you store data? One of the things that are that's interesting as a developer is you have so many options today. You know, there are so many places that want to be your what they call a persistence layer, somewhere where you need to store something permanently and know that it'll be there when you want to go and retrieve it to persist that data. Where is the, what's a persistence layer that you choose? And everyone wants to compete for to be your persistence layer, whether it's a relational database, MongoDB, Redis, Elasticsearch. I mean, there are all these places that want to be some kind of persistence layer because they know if they become your persistence layer, you're set for life. No one (laughs) wants to change their database back end. Once you're in, that's kind of the end of it. So as a developer, you have to make a, a choice and it needs to be kind of a good choice right at the beginning. You're kind of hamstrung. It's once you've decided to put some data somewhere, you need to choose what one makes the most sense. And for me, usually the first discussion is, should you use a relational database or not? Y'all are a big company. So like Tim, like how often does this discussion come up of, should we use SQL Server? Should we use something else? I think you hear it a lot in terms of questioning is that something that we want to do just with like innovation and experimentation Mm. Um, or maybe there's a specific project that comes along that someone thinks it might be a good fit for but there's also a lot of inertia around everyone in the room no sql server and so it's hard to convince people let's try something new because you're no longer dealing with what you already are familiar with and you know how to manage it. So you, usually there are different teams of both developers and production DBAs. And the production DBAs, they know how to do the care and feeding of the SQL server. And introducing some other platform means a layer of complexity that they may not be ready to take on yet. So yeah, that that has been a, a barrier to adoption for other, for other database platforms. So once you make it, once you make that decision, you're kind of set in for stone. That's going to be the one that you're going to have. It's going to sound strange that I make my living during SQL Server. That's the only tool that I do consulting on. I don't do consulting for everything, anything else. 
it's going to sound odd for someone who does that to say, you know what, if I'm you as a developer, if I'm trying to choose a, a persistence layer, if I were you, I would look for places not to use relational databases. Like if you have data where you're not doing a join or an order by, then it's probably not relational data and you should probably store it somewhere cheaper. Session state is a classic example that people like to use. In session state, you're not joining it to something else. You're not doing an order by. You're just saying, go get me the session state for shopper number one, two, three, four. That's that's all I care about. As I'm sitting here gesturing wildly in front of the microphone, I'm waving my <laughs> arms like crazy. Uh, but you know, when you when you have something like session state, you pr it probably doesn't belong in a relational database. You should probably put it somewhere else. And the reason why I say that is that SQL Server, as a reminder, standard edition, $2,000 US per core, enterprise edition, $7,000 US per core. I, I don't want to spend that money unless it's really going to bring you some kind of benefit. If it's not going to bring you some kind of benefit, go put that stuff somewhere else. Files, caching, you know, any kind of other layer that you'd want to put it in. So choose as few data stores as you possibly can, but that satisfy the right level of complexity for management based on what you're trying to store choose the simplest dumbest thing that you can in order to store your data oh there's a great quote and i don't know who originally said this but that you should do interesting things with boring tools and you should try to do boring things with interesting tools meaning like only take one risk at a time if you're going to try to build something crazy and new you've never built before you should use the most boring tools that you could possibly find you because you're going to take your risks on the project don't take your risks on the tools if you're going to build something boring like if you're going to build a brand new crm system or a, a to-do tracking system in the year 2020 you probably shouldn't be using a relational database that's the place to go explore and do something crazy that you've never done before because that's where you should take your risks and learn to went go a little off topic there yeah. but yeah. So that's interesting because our company we're heavily a sql shop like mm -hmm. there might be some exceptions mm -hmm. where we have oracle because of third-party integrations or whatnot, yeah. and I know we're heading towards that direction of adopting cloud. Mm -hmm. But I find it very interesting how you say, I'm a SQL guy, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you should always go to SQL. No, 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 no. So yeah. that goes beyond me. I, my first thought is SQL. We, yeah. need, we need data, let's use SQL. Yes. So what are examples, actual examples or scenarios that you have mm -hmm. encountered where you said, I don't recommend a relationship database. Oh, I'll give you a great example. Uh, so we, one of the things that we do inside my own company is we have this tool called Pace the Plan. In the database world, it's hard to share execution plans with people, like showing what your query did and how it executed, which indexes it used, how long it took. But it's a common need that we need to share plans because when you go to Stack Overflow or wherever you're going to post your question at, the first thing people are going to want to know when you ask why a query is slow is show me the plan. So we built a tool where you can share execution plans online. There's no joining in here. There's no order by. It's just its basic key value. Here's my key. Here's my execution plan. And I want to share it with someone else. So we put that in just a list of here's the plans. That's in DynamoDB, which is a non-relational key value kind of thing. Here's a plan. Here's where that file is stored on Amazon S3. Because I don't need to run any kind of metrics on what kinds of execution plans are shown the most often. I'm not doing any slicing and dicing about well, users or security. Every plan is public. If you copy paste it out there on the internet, it's totally public. There's no analytics. There's no relationships here. So I don't need a relational database. So for that, I use just a plain old key value store. And the reason why is it's cheap. 
I think our Dynamo DB costing is hosts us maybe a hundred bucks a month, maybe if that. And you can't do that with SQL Server. It can't be done in a production type end user internet facing scenario. You couldn't do that that inexpensively. Right. So in a in an example like that, then what was the cost? to figure out how to implement something like that. Did you have someone that knew how to use it or was it a learning curve that you kind of had to incur yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. I, when I started doing the company stuff, I said, I'm never going to do a line of development because I suck at this. This isn't my strength. And I'm much better off hiring someone who's really good at it. Like if I hire a really senior developer who's demonstrated a repeated ability to learn things quickly. So I have one developer, Richie Rump, and who used to do podcasting, actually, coincidentally, you know, think about it, um, but a uh, really senior developer. And I said, look, here's my vision for it. I want to use AWS. I want to use DynamoDB and S3. These are radical tools, and there's not going to be a lot of documentation out there. We're going to learn a lot of hard lessons. It's going to be a slow project to learn, but I want to do this because we're going to use this on subsequent other projects that we build internally. Let's go build this cheap one now to go learn it. Okay. It was not the fastest deployment. It would have been way faster for us to go do it with SQL Server, but then I would have been paying monthly costs for the rest of my life. And I'm like, as a small business person, especially when I want to give the tool away for free, like we give Pace the Plan away, we don't charge anything for it, you don't register register. There are no emails, nothing like that. I can't do that if I put the back end in SQL server and I don't want to be on call when it breaks. I love <laughs> none of us IT people no. want to. <laughs> no, especially for a free product. I'm like, I do not. It seems like people care. The worst users are the ones for free tools. You know, people who don't spend anything like it's not perfect. It needs to be perfect. Whereas people who spend a lot of money, they're like, eh, it's okay that it's slow. It's not that big of a deal. Um, so yeah, so we ended up using DynamoDB and it took a longer time to implement, but now it's effectively free. So it's more maintainable long-term. Okay. Is that the non-relationship totally database that you'd recommend? Yeah. Well, so it's one of many. So the okay. thing that I like about DynamoDB, it has weaknesses. I want to say that the max document size that it can store is 400 kilobytes, which isn't a lot. You know, 400 kilobytes is pretty small. And if you want to do any kind of JSON stuff or anything that's going to be a large document that you want to store, it's probably not going to be a good fit. Um, if you want to do any kind of reporting, it's probably not a good fit. Uh, but it's really good for if you just need to throw one thing in and get one thing out, like someone's going to upload an execution plan. And every time that they go and grab an execution plan, they're just going to grab one. They're only going to grab one, not show me the top 100. It's fantastic for that. It's exclusive to Amazon. And of course, Azure will have something else. You know, every cloud provider will have their own. And here comes the lock-in thing again. If I wanted to move to Azure to host that thing, we'd basically have to rewrite it from scratch to do something similar to DynamoDB, but different mm -hmm. over in Cosmos DB, something like that. What was the discovery process for figuring out that DynamoDB was the technology you wanted to, to use for that project? I am the worst manager. Uh, so I go to technology conferences. So I go to I would go to Microsoft Build. I would go to AWS reInvent. And I, at the time where we made this decision, and I even blogged through my decision process while I was making it, I'm like, the, at the time that I'm making this decision, the only cloud provider that has everything that I need is Amazon. They were the only ones who were doing serverless code with AWS Lambda, and they, they were the only ones that really had a good NoSQL database at the time that was inexpensive. So it was fairly straightforward for me there to choose that one. But I really chose the cloud provider first because they had AWS Lambda. Okay. And it's the same as like if you're going to choose a relational database today, really the first thing you decide is do I want to go 
Amazon, Azure, or Google, you know, which, and that's not usually made by us. It's not made by the people in this room. It's made by a couple of executives who go out to, you know, some lunch club somewhere and you're off to a golf course and they go, Amazon sounds like the good thing or, or Azure, you know, whatever it is that they decide. It's some executive makes that decision. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> Between those three parties, mm-hmm. based off of your experience, what are your thoughts on those three different cloud providers? You know, to me, so to me, they're all kind of the same in that uh, everyone's going to outstrip someone else. Everyone's going to get ahead in the race temporarily on different things. Like for a while, Google was ahead on Kubernetes. Then uh, Amazon was ahead on serverless code. I think that Microsoft has the best offering of relational databases. So things like Cosmos DB, SQL, or Azure SQL DB, Azure SQL DB Hyperscale, managed instances. They have all kinds of interesting ways. Their data warehouse, Azure SQL DW is interesting. Um, and it's not that Amazon can't compete, but just right now, Azure has some edges in terms of relational stuff. If For me, it feels like Amazon has edges in serverless code and serverless code is important to me. I think it's all six of one, half dozen of the other, and there are going to be a lot of shakeouts back and forth as they all try to to come up with interesting edges. If I was a Microsoft shop, if I, all my people made their living in Visual Studio, I would go Azure because they have better integration with Visual Studio. They seem to focus more on developers who are in that kind of stack. But it, to me, it doesn't make a difference which one you pick. You're going to have challenges and strengths and weaknesses across all of them. The constant debate, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you mean, and they're all they're so aggressive with marketing right now because whoever wins your business, they're like, lock in. Here we go. You're gonna owe us money for years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like once you're committed. Yes, you're like, locked oh. in. It's like, yes. it's like picking the relationship database. Yes, it, yeah. it just locks you in so bad. Um, so, and I, it's, it's not, I don't think it's a really bad problem to have because it's still better than me managing my own servers inside a data center. Like I never, I miss the days of walking into a data center and playing around with hardware, but I sure don't miss it enough to the point where I would want to take on that pager again. Like I don't ever want to be on call again for the rest of my life. I would much rather someone else take that on for me. That that's part of the thing with choosing a relational database. So when you're choosing whether you want to host it yourself, like run your own SQL servers versus you want to have the cloud provider do it for you. One of the big edges of things like Azure SQL DB or Amazon RDS with uh, Aurora is that they take over the production DBA role. If you're listening and you're a startup developer, you know, you have you maybe and one buddy who are going in to start to build an application don't try to host things yourself. And I probably don't even have to tell you that. You know it intuitively. You don't want to be the person who's on call. And it's so much better to use these hosted services and work within their limitations. For those of us who are listening who are database administrators or database developers, you look at the feature limitation on a service like that and you're like, oh, that doesn't work for me. I want to roll my own, you know, whatever it is, <laughs> user replication. Um, but it, there's such a nice advantage to letting someone else take the on-call rotation instead of you. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Same thing with using a NoSQL uh, provider. If I can find something that lowers my costs and still lets someone else handle the on-call rotation, oh yeah, I'm in. Like the DynamoDB decision. If I can for 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a month, I can have something fast enough and I don't have to be on call for it. 
Oh yeah. I spend more than that on cable. Yeah, I'm <laughs> totally down with that. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives more time to spend time with loved ones or Absolutely. on other things that you're passionate about. Building features. You know, if you're gonna spend time in front of the computer working on whatever your pet project is, it should be something that adds value, not something that costs you money. So that you can right. get back to spending time with the people that you love, doing the things that you love. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was a tangent on our prior podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, to st- so. spend as little time working as you possibly can. It doesn't matter if you love your job. Go find other things to go do and enrich your life while you still can. Right. Yes. So I felt like you kind of read my mind. I was going to say, so cloud or no cloud? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm so, I would never want to get young again. Like I would never want to go back to my 20s. I, it was not a wonderful time. You don't know what you're doing with your life. Like I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I made horrible decisions all throughout my 20s and my teens and some of my 30s. Um, but I, I'm jealous of people who are in their 20s now or coming just fresh out of college. The world is your oyster in the sense of there are so many cloud services that you can build on top of so quickly. You can build apps quickly. It doesn't cost you much. When I was your age, we had to mortgage you know, everything that we own, take out huge credit card debts in order to build something. Now you can just hit the ground running with the cloud relatively inexpensively. Choose a cheap persistence layer. Choose the cheapest one you possibly can and go build something cool. Yeah. So is there ever a situation where you wouldn't recommend a cloud solution? Oh, that's interesting. For a lot of big enterprises are paranoid around security where they go, we need to make sure that this data for this client never leaves this state or this country. So I have a lot of work with law firms and they'll say specifically this data cannot leave this state or cannot leave this country. And that's a lot tougher to do with cloud providers because a lot of the things that provide you high availability require bouncing across state or country lines or there may not be a data center where you really want one, or the data may not be handled in a way that you're comfortable with. I am by no means saying that you're probably going to build something more secure than a cloud provider. That is not going to happen. <laughs> they are way better in security than you or I will ever be. Um, but that when people say, I, I would rather manage it myself, that's one common reason. The other common reason is cost. I tell you what, the cloud providers will thump their chests all day long saying, we can save you so much money. But at the end of the day, very often you could do it way cheaper yourself if you do your own colo boxes, virtual machines. Uh, I'm not saying you should host it inside your house, but like DigitalOcean, any place that you can go get droplets or whatever to host it yourself more inexpensively, you can usually save a lot of money. Stackoverflow.com was a great example. They were so obsessed on performance the whole way up and they could not have gone to cloud and either saved money or got the performance that they wanted in any kind of cloud provider at the time. Right. I know that's why our organization was slower to adopt it with yeah. cost mm-hmm. reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the cloud. I love that people constantly think that the cloud is going to be cheaper. It is not cheaper in any way. Well, there are edge cases like I talked about the DynamoDB. If you architect right from the ground up, if you decide I'm going to redo the way I do code or I'm going to redo the way I do a persistence layer, sure. But if you think you're going to take a forklift and take $7,000 core SQL server and shove it up in a VM somewhere and it's going to magically be cheaper, that is not the case. All right. Well, I know we're at time, and do you have another engagement? We off to a user group. Yes, yeah. the Omaha user group tonight. Yes, I'm talking all day today. Right? <laughs> Poor Tim has to hear me the entire day, three days straight. Oh. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks. My pleasure. All right.